Okay, so emerald dragons are known to be quite curious and will often observe things that perhaps they were never intended to, to observe or to see. So I'm wondering, have either of you ever witnessed something or come across something that you probably should not have seen? Do we roll for these now? I think so. Let's just roll anyway. Sure. I got we a make five. Rolls. I got a five. I got a nine. I got two. Pepperina um yeah i mean probably <laughs> i do i mean like as a kid i remember seeing my parents like put out uh presents in the middle okay. of the night I that know, i wasn't supposed I to um you know that's definitely something i wasn't supposed to see but i think a lot of mine is more i'm very observant of small details and then remember those details and can like, like I'm an internet spy. Like I can find shit about people on social media that they don't necessarily mm-hmm. think about that I could find. That so is, you're a bad person to have as an enemy. Yeah. Yeah. That I is, will find out. And say- I just pick up like patterns on people. So if like I've had friends who have told me something like months after I already figured it out. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you were not as, as slick as you thought you were. I figured that I've out. I've got to say, that is, that is very common with women to, to do that. Mm-hmm. In my experience, it's only ever been women that have confessed that to me that they do that, but it has been <laughs> multiple. I've never had a single guy say that ever, but uh, yeah, makes sense. Or they're just not admitting it. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, last night I had a funny one, actually. There's someone I hadn't seen in years. I was, uh, I was just going for a walk with my dog i got no nothing against this person we used to work together no we don't and it was like years ago whatever uh but i saw her and she was in the middle of having an argument with her boyfriend like clearly clearly like on the street off to the side and it was like probably the worst time for her for somebody that she used to work that she hasn't seen in years to just walk around the corner and see that and then she had to like look away and pretend that she didn't see me i had to like pretend i was like still talking to the other person to keep going by but i felt <laughs> bad for her. i was like oh you were quite clearly out of having a fight with your boyfriend there and you did not want us run into me when it was happening but, yeah, so yeah that's mine uh this one time i was at a music festival and waiting in line for the washroom and opened the porta potty door to two people fornicating yes and it was just that aw- <laughs> awkward moment of like eye contact and like just mm. where you just kind of freeze Should've for stayed. a second yeah <laughs> oh in a porn as well terry and i both had that look like mm. <laughs> there's plenty of other places to go in a festival go to a tent <laughs> or something don't go in there Mm-mm. terrible okay Paparino, when the urge strikes i guess you know <laughs> the urge strikes <laughs> I wonder who I wonder who proposed the border party. Uh, probably the drugs. Welcome to the It's a Minute podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another It's a Mimic episode where we continue our conversation on dragons in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. I'm Pepperina, and with me today are Terry and Kyle. And this episode is called Emerald Dragons Masquerading on Disorient Express. 
I'm not sure if I should give the same reaction because that was your second take. The people at home don't know that's the second take, but I'll try. <laughs> oh, clever name. Clever name. <laughs> this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, this panel of Dungeon Masters is going to finally get around to another kind of tunneling dragon, the Emerald Dragon. Looking for an ally against fire giants? Need a dragon to walk amongst your PCs undetected? How about an ancient and wise dragon who gets bashful in front of company? So the Emerald Dragon is another gem dragon to have similar coloration as Dragon from the Monster Manual. We've seen this with the Sapphire Dragon and the Blue Dragon, the Crystal Dragon and the White Dragon, and the Topaz Dragon and the three yellowish metallics. How do you guys feel about bait and switch scenarios where players find themselves suddenly interacting with the wrong kind of dragon? Yeah, I'm okay with that. I always feel like um, like any kind of good thriller novel, wherever you think you're going or whatever you think you're going to find, um, it should always be not quite what you expected. Uh, and you and, and I think the party eventually gets to the point that they expect that it's not going to be what they expected, but there should be new and interesting ways of it being unexpected. And this is a good one. So yeah, and I think uh, the gem dragons are meant to be a little bit more rare and unheard of. So it would make sense that they would think it was one of the more popular dragons that more people know about and um, find out that it is not. I'm not against it in principle. Uh, and in fact, if you were going to use the bait and switch scenario for the dragons, I think green and emerald would make a great one uh, to use considering like the duplicitous nature of green dragons. However, I think you should always leave clues for your players to find so they can have a chance to figure it out for themselves before yeah. just like throwing it on them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they should always be the point where they go, oh, we should have figured that out based on this instead of going, what the hell? Like, you just pulled the rug. Yeah. 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 Okay, before we get any deeper into this, let's cut to an ad break. We have previously covered quite a bit in our discussion on Dragons in 5th Edition. For all those episodes and more, you can follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and dozens of other podcast apps. And if you'd like to support us, you can donate through the website, check our store, or join our Patreon and get access to other episodes and series. If you'd like to pay for some ad space on It's a Mimic, or just shout out to a friend, please reach out to us through our email and website that are listed in the show notes below. On the It's a Mimic Patreon this week, I am joined by Jeff on the Campaign Builder series, where we dig into why the inclusion or removal of roads can make overland travel in your role-playing game feel very, very different or dangerous. Also, some patrons will start to see some Patreon-exclusive merch getting shipped out this month. You can check our Patreon or our website for more details. Both are in the show notes below. Now let's get back to the episode. Okay, so to start off with the Emerald Dragons, like usual, we will start off with Fizzbin's quotes, and we get two of them here. Although Emerald Dragons are wise beyond telling, they usually answer questions with some vague jibber-jabber, like, the answer lies within you. Frustrating. And then the second one is, have you ever heard an Emerald Dragon purr? It sounds like a tremendous, lethal, and adorable earthquake. I like the idea of dragons purring. Yeah, I like that as well. Mm-hmm. As a wormling, their green scales are rather dull and muted, but as they age, they get more vibrant and have multiple shades of green mixed in them. The more they age, the scales become translucent and shimmer in the light. 
As we've discovered with the other gym dragons, their spines and horns hover above them and shift based on the dragon's moods. Emerald dragons are described as the most curious, cunning, and manipulative of gym dragons. However, I think it I don't think it stops there. They're also the shyest, so much so that they use their psionic powers to create illusions to cloak their presence so they can observe without being seen. They want to learn everything they can about the world around them, from local traditions to rumors of supernatural. Once old enough, they will use their ability to change shape to take on a disguise that blends in with the town they are examining. The Emerald Dragon's keen eye for detail and unusual happenings make them very useful for their gym dragon cousins, the Sapphire Dragon, who are looking for evidence of aberrations in the material plane. While they are incredibly shy and go through great lengths not to be seen, there is a good chance your adventuring party could be approached by an Emerald Dragon to help them out with their pesky fire giant problem. As they are particularly fond of volcanic layers, they find themselves at odds with these giants quite often. Getting into creating an Emerald Dragon, we have our fun tables. Uh, the personality traits, we get a D8 table, and I've picked two off of there. The only people I'm interested in are those who know history and those who make history. And I like to adopt the personas and characteristics from legend, which I think would make them great D&D players. You know, they've already got the role play down. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they'd be the worst metagamers. They, they would, would know everything. They would know everything. They'd yeah. be the rule lawyers of it. Like, well, actually, that's not <laughs> how it happened. <laughs> Um, for ideas, we have a D6 table, and I picked Nurture. Rearing a child is our best chance to make sure our own stories are passed on, and that can be any alignment. And I think that's so very dragon-esque of thinking about having kids because it's very conceited still. Like, it's very egotistic that I'm having this child so they can carry on my story. Yeah. Yeah. People who name their kids. Having Sorry. the child is about them more than yeah. the child. More than the child. More than like, yeah. I want to bring a life into this world to create more things. No, I want somebody to tell my story. Yeah. Uh, it's like, um, oh, who was it? George Foreman named all seven of his sons George. Yeah. And then his <laughs> daughter, Georgina. Yeah, yeah. It's very Ooh. much that sort of level of like egotistic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's somebody else. Who else did that? Oh, Rampage Jackson from the UFC did that. He named all his boys Rampage and then named his daughter Paige in the same <laughs> idea. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Looking at their spells, um, as wormlings at will, they can use Mage Hand and the hand is invisible and minor illusion. At young, once per day, they add. Uh, detect thoughts, invisibility, and silent image. As adults, they add dispel magic, and silent image turns to major image. And at ancient, they get etherealness and mislead. From the adventure hooks table, I picked two different things. An emerald dragon seeks heroes to participate in a dramatic reenactment of a legendary battle involving dragon riders. And an emerald dragon's invisibly tails a party of adventurers causing trouble for the heroes so that the dragon can watch how they respond. I think that really like leans into the neutralness of them. Like they're not meaning to cause them harm or anything. They're just curious and want to know. Yeah. Like good or bad, however this turns out, I don't care. I just want to know 
how it plays out. For their layers, emerald dragons like especially warm layers, volcanoes, or anywhere with lava pools are their favorite. With their burrowing ability, they will create tunnels all around, both to make their travel from place to place easier and yours more difficult. Some may lead to giant empty pits, while others will lead you right into a pool of lava. I picture this to be sort of like the Winchester Mystery House with halls that lead to nowhere and doors that open to like a three-story drop. If you guys are familiar with that house at all. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah? Yeah. That's that's very much how I imagine their layer to be, is just like a mystery of tunnels and hallways that make zero sense at all. Yeah. Along with these traps, they will go to great lengths to hide their horde chambers using both illusion magic and the natural construction of their layers to do so. For their layer actions, they get three. And the first one is Beguiling Whispers. The dragon telepathically whispers to one creature within range of the dragon's telepathy, which I believe is 120 feet all across the board. Um, They must succeed on a DC 15 wisdom save or be charmed by the dragon until initiative roll 20 on the next round. They must obey any commands the dragon gives them that is not directly harmful to them. Then they get uh, distort perception. The dragon attempts to alter the perception of one creature it can see within its lair. That creature must succeed a DC 15 intelligence save or take 4d10 psychic damage and have disadvantage on saving throws until the start of its next turn. And then last they get vanish. The dragon becomes invisible until initiative count 20 on the next round. The map we are given is part of a vault buried deep beneath a city that was built atop a dormant volcano. Parts have been caved in and sealed off from the city so the noxious gases uh, don't escape into the city above it. There are several lava tubes that the dragon uses to come and go when they aren't filled with lava. The Great Hall is a place in the center of the lair, and the dragon spends a great deal of time here with a watchful eye on the door that's sealed to the to the top of the city never really trusting that it won't someday be opened and they'll be discovered. Above the Great Hall is a treasury room where the dragon stores its most valuable treasures. Due to a nearby lake and the collapsing of some of the tunnels, there are some flooded pathways. When the volcano is active, the water will bubble and boil and fill more of the tunnels before draining into the lava tubes. Connected to these watery caves is an underwater cache where the dragon stores its gold and gems. At the top of the map, far from the underwater features, is a hatchery that the dragon has lovingly carved out with three rooms. The rest of the vault is kept in the way it was designed by the original creators. The dragon appreciates the historical architecture and design, and if you're lucky enough to ever get a tour of it, they will take you through much like the curator of a museum. For regional effects for these guys, we get crystal perfusion, uh, natural stone within six miles of the layer grows plentiful crystal formations and veins of emerald gemstones. They get fiery sight, fire and lava within six miles of the layer become conduits to the dragon's psionic presence. As an action, the dragon can cast the clairvoyant spell with no spell components and targeting any area of fire or lava in that region. This one's my favorite. It's called Subtle Obstruction. Rocks within six miles of the lair sometimes move on their own accord. 
usually when no one is watching. Often the rocks will obstruct the approach to the Emerald Dragon's lair, with boulders moving to block narrow defiles, way markers tumbling off the path, or small stones shifting beneath the traveler's feet to send them tumbling down slopes or into rivers. That's pretty fun. Yeah, you could have a lot of fun with that as a DM. Yeah. I'm imagining like you're walking up a path and then a rock steps in front of you and then you try to like step to the side and then it steps in front of you too. Like with that awkward mm-hmm. moment when two people are walking against each other. I imagine that with a rock. <laughs> with a rock just. Yeah. Can I, can I go <laughs> this way? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that they they try to be sneaky, the rocks. I imagine like Solid Snake in his box in Metal Gear games, like sneaking around like you can't see me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> um, and then last we have thriving wildlife. Giant lizards are attracted to the area within six miles of the lair and settle there in large numbers. Uh, if the dragon dies, the giant lizard population returns to normal within 1d10 days. The rocks immediately stop moving and crystals and emeralds remain, but now grow at a normal rate. Why is it, do you think, that it attracts lizards? Um, It is their favorite food. Oh. We found this with the topaz dragons. Also, they uh, attracted giant squids. Mm. So So, they attract their favorite food? Yeah. God, I wish I could do that with eggs benedict. (laughs) Eggs benedict. Okay, as far as their treasures go, um, Emerald Dragons are a bit different in their preferred treasure from other gem dragons, as they would much rather collect coins than a kind of gemstone. They find different types of coins fascinating and will have an extensive collection of various coins throughout history and regions. Along with coins, these dragons love to collect cultural artifacts, pieces of history, and magic items that have illusion magic in them. They might not care much if a random gold scepter goes missing, but if you take a piece they deem important to a historical event, they will release their rage, no matter how seemingly worthless that item might look. This makes an interesting view on the value of a dragon's hoard. Because as we've learned in previous episodes, their age and power is based on the amount of value to their hoard. So is that a perceived on what the dragon seems is valuable or what society would deem valuable? Uh, I would say it's probably what society would deem valuable. It has to be worth a Mm -hmm. certain amount, but the dragons have different things in their hoard. So white dragons, for example, will collect like ships. And stuff mm-hmm. but that's still very valuable uh, yeah system, so. when you look at their uh art items that and the list that they give you um they're pretty fun i picked out two a uh, gravy ladle belonging to laurel Rumbledeep, a famed halfling gourmand and rusty chains used to bind an orc master thief Corgis before she escaped and conquered half the lands of the south so I sort of imagine their hordes being like an old person's estate sale, <laughs> like just random <laughs> stuff that doesn't look very valuable, but like meant a lot to them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> their silver spoon collection going for $2,000. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that is what we have for like the lore and background here uh, before jumping into mechanics. How do we feel about the lore surrounding these dragons? Let's roll for it. 16. Oh, four. I got two again. Woo. Two again. 16. 
Uh, how do I feel about it? Yeah, I like the law. They're interesting. I thought maybe they would annoy me because they're just kind of curious and they're always watching you. But I think you can. Uh, I think you can be clever with that. You know, I've, yeah. I've got ideas for encounters which aren't just going to be straight like trying to to kill the dragon, but maybe trying to take something from them. And obviously, they're going to protect uh, these hordes because uh, they're very proud of them. But with their abilities and their temperament based on the lore, I think it'll make for some very frustrating encounters. So I actually like them. I don't like the way they look. I think they look a bit weedy. I don't like that. Um, so. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think with the way they look, it sort of lends to their wanting to blend in. Like they're very thin and long. And I think that it helps them hide a little bit better. Like they're not big and bulky and out there. They can sort of slither to the back more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like the lore. I think they're very quirky with the things that they like um, and their shyness. So I think you could have a lot of fun with those things. Yeah, I think they're pretty cool. I mean, they're pretty niche. Like they they got a very specific set of scenarios that you can use them in. Mm -hmm. But I think they would make an excellent NPC, right? Like just a reoccurring character because I think you can have a lot of fun with it and how it interacts with the party. Yeah. Um, what do we think about the spells? Do they fit with the theme? We'll keep the same. Let me just go back up to these spells real quick. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I like, you know, I like uh, lower level spells, clever usage of lower level spells. And I think Mage mm -hmm. Hand is a great addition for them. Um, yeah. Also, I, I get creative without using Mage Hand. So yes, I do like them. Uh, detect Thoughts is good um, for this. They want to know what your intentions are uh, if you're entering their lair. Uh, and then like uh, Silent Image as well. Uh, that would be useful too. But yeah, I think these spells are are, are on. Yeah. I I had not heard of etherealness um before looking at these guys so i did look that up and i came up with kind of a cool idea with those it's they go into the border of the material plane and the ethereal plane so they're just sort of like they can't be seen in the material plane but they can see into it right. and it lasts for eight hours so that would be a really great way for them to hide themselves and still see what's going on but what if you had a character or a, a player that could go to the ethereal plane? Like, I know some rangers can go to the ethereal plane kind of like a misty step and then come out over here. What if they popped over there and there's just an emerald dragon watching them that they had <laughs> no clue was there that's yeah. just watching the party? I think that would be a fun way to just introduce that this thing's been watching you the whole time yeah even like for the hours leading up to getting to the lair when you're around like okay let's do the night's rest as everyone does then we'll go in the morning and you're like talking mm -hmm. about your plan and what we're going to do they could be in uh border ethereal right then that would be great yeah. so i thought that was a, there's a lot of really clever ways that you could use that one i like that a lot i think that's really fun i like i like their spells quite a bit I mean, I would like to see more utility spells, something like legend lore or identify. But I mean, I guess as an NPC, you can give them whatever inf relative information you want. Uh, but it just seems like it would fit, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I do like it. I mean, you could always put that in one of their like magic items that they collect too. Mm, true. Good point. All right. What or how do we feel about the layer details and regional effects? Yeah, let me just go back up again real quick. So I've got them in front of me. I I love the layer actions uh, and the regional effects. You know what? I would make it as a challenge for me as the DM to try and like win or do very well in this encounter without directly uh, fighting the party. Mm -hmm. I would try to use the layer actions and the regional effects 
the regional effects of subtle obstruction, for example, where the rocks and stuff are moving, that could still be happening even after the party has gotten deep into the layer. So the way out of the layer is not the same as the way in. And that would be incredibly mm -hmm. stressful if you're mm -hmm. using like the layer the layer actions well. So like uh, distort perception, uh, where that gives them disadvantage on saving throws, the stress there because of the psychic damage as well. But then if you follow that up with, uh, is it beguiling whispers on the next round? What does... Um, yeah, that's where they can speak telepathically. Uh, ba, 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 ba. This is one, maybe this is the spell. Um, doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, like mislead or something. <laughs> but like distort perception where they get disadvantage on the saving throws. That's very stressful for them, especially if they're taking psychic damage. And especially if they now can't find the way out. Uh, especially if the, the dragon is in theory, is uh, going to the ethereal plane or border ethereal. Uh, they can vanish as well. Um, if they're tunnelers, these guys are tunnelers. That's always good for separating party members. So there's ways that you can make these encounters very stressful without directly damaging them on your on your turn. So yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, especially with the vanish, them just becoming invisible, and it doesn't say that's like the invisibility spell, as far as I'm understanding. They just are invisible. So I'm not sure that that yeah. would even work with like blind sight or any of that kind of stuff. If your party would be able to find them uh, through any other means it means it would mean that they're now under the invisible condition so whatever yeah. you go on the conditions table whatever falls under being invisible it means that because it's not directly the invisibility spell mm -hmm. that sounds like yeah. it probably does it means that they won't like reappear if they take an action i guess so if they attack or something mm -hmm. yeah it says uh they won't reappear until initiative count 20 on the next turn right. so it doesn't matter what they yeah. do while they're invisible and like blindsight I don't think characters can get it any further than 30 feet. And if you've got a mm -hmm. flying creature, it's honestly, it's yeah. the layer details are devious and it would really frustrate a party because it would just it, like, it's almost impossible to hit. It just stays invisible the entire time and it can do the confusing breath or um, yeah, it's confusing breath and all the other stuff. Like it's never gonna fight you, and it's just honestly, it sounds great if you have a murder hobo in your party and you really want to piss them off. You know, you <laughs> might be able to have an entire encounter with this dragon, and they never really the party never really knows what they're fighting. Would be, mm -hmm. would, oh, yeah, oh, that would stress them out. I would love that. Like, if, especially if we're doing the bait and switch, and they don't know that this is an emerald dragon, they're expecting something else. Uh, they can, you can have a full fun encounter and then they come out of it and they say, what the hell was that? We don't even know what that was. And maybe they'll never know. And that'll be the best part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only thing that I kind of bugs me about the regional effects is the emeralds growing in a certain distance of wherever they make their cave. Because mm -hmm. the whole idea is that it doesn't want anybody to know where its layer is, right? All the other ones are meant as obfuscation yeah. uh, to hide it, right? But then this one is like, holy shit, all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of emeralds in this one area. It's yeah, kind of obvious there. what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Which that is, um, this is the third gym dragon that I've covered. And that's pretty standard uh, with all of them is mm. that that effect. Uh, from what I've from what I've found so I think it's just sort of a carryover but yeah you're right it like definitely is sort of a sign like <laughs> there's yeah. something going on over here <laughs> <laughs> yeah right and if all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of emeralds it's gonna attract people to come there to like farm them for money right yeah. like if I heard about this thing or like oh man there's emeralds growing on every rock in this area I'm there 
Wait, what do we think that their eggs look like? Um, probably crystalline. Like they probably look like emeralds, but I imagine them to be translucent, so that you can see inside of it. Um, mm -hmm. so you can see the wormling uh, inside of it growing. Is what I would think. Yeah, I. You know what? The way they like to just collect more so mundane looking items, I think it would be fun to have this one not be anything special. Mm. Like it just looks like an egg. You don't really know what kind of egg it is. Yeah. Because I think that would be like your party stumbles upon this egg and they have no clue what it is. And do they take it with them? Do they leave it alone? Do they try to destroy it? Um, like zero clues that this is actually a dragon egg. That's fun. Yeah, lean into the mundane, or maybe because mm -hmm. they're all about illusion. They they could make their their eggs deliberately look like another creature's type of eggs, mm -hmm. an illusion, mm -hmm. or just like a plain rock. Yeah, yeah, that would be fun too if it just looked like a rock. Yeah, <laughs> you have no clue that this is an egg right in front of you. Yeah. I do like the idea of it being see through though, because mm -hmm. I feel that kind of fits with their. Uh, their love of knowledge right so they get to watch a baby grow and they get to see all the steps it makes mm -hmm. before it hatches and everything mm -hmm. oh but i also like the mundane if it's see-through but then on initiative count 20 if the dragon takes the layer action the vanished layer action if you can see into the egg maybe the the wormlings inside also vanish i would like that write that down to you that's that's uh, mm -hmm. a good little sign that something <laughs> they suddenly all disappear inside of the eggs make uh, a note <laughs> just disappear, where's my secretary <laughs> you're just gonna have to listen back to this episode to remember all the genius things we've said yeah. all right looking at the wormlings um i've picked out one of the creature connections an emerald dragon wormling follows a berserker to observe the berserker's life. The berserker believes the dragon is a spirit companion. I like the idea of a berserker just having a little dragon buddy following it around, <laughs> looking after it. I think they would like take care of each other somewhat, you know. Yeah, teaches the barbarian how to love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, so as a wormling, they are a medium dragon. They're typically lawful neutral. Their CR rating is a two, and they speak draconic and have telepathy for 120 feet. Their AC is 16, and their hit points are, on average, 39. They have a 30-foot walking speed, a 20-foot burrow speed, and a 60-foot flying speed. Their stats are above average, with the highest being constitution and strength, both getting a plus two. Charisma and intelligence also get a plus two, and dexterity and wisdom both get a plus one. They have a plus four to charisma and con saves, and a plus three to dexterity and wisdom saves. Their skills are arcana, deception, and perception, the highest at a plus five, and stealth is the lowest with a plus three. Their resistance are to fire and psychic. They have blind sight of 10 feet and dark vision of 60 feet. They have the tunneler trait, which lets them burrow through solid rock at half their burrow speed, leaving a five foot diameter tunnel. They have a bite attack with a plus four to hit, a 10 foot reach, and it does 1d10 plus two piercing damage plus 1d6 psychic. And then they get their disorienting breath. The dragon exhales a wave of psychic dissonance. In a 15-foot cone, each creature must take a DC 12 intelligence save 
And on a failed, they take 5d6 psychic damage. And until the end of its turn, when the creature makes an attack or ability check, they must subtract a 1d4 from the roll. On a save, they take half the damage and have no additional effects. All right. Let's roll for the questions now. I got two. Oh, I got a one. <laughs> oh, I'm going first with a four. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I need a new dice. This one has been shitty so far the whole time. <laughs> okay. Um, do we have any ideas for a quest we would like to have with the wormling specifically? With a wormling? Mm-hmm. I'm imagining that the first piece it wants to add to its horde is something having to do with like a childhood memory right like their earliest memory like i want a rock from this particular cave or um just just something simple like that right like starting out Mm -hmm. small yeah i think for me it um probably a a side quest um to to capture a wormling because uh they would hear everything that their parents discuss uh as children typically do uh, and so if you need information, but you can't get the parent, if you can get the wormling, you might be able to get the information that you need. And it will be easier to capture a wormling than an adult. But hmm. the capture could also be not even something from their parents, but that they've watched like your big bad or they've watched the thugs in the town or something and have caught a piece of information from them that like you need to get rid we need to get rid of this guy we need to see what he knows Mm -hmm. (laughs) and figure it out yeah i think i'm a little worried that you both are so okay with child kidnapping (laughs) it's very lucrative yeah we shouldn't joke take that We've been spending too much time with dragons, too. <laughs> um, role-playing. How would you role-play them as a wormling? Oh, yeah, right. Um, Very, very curious. Like, you know those kids that just won't stop asking why? Mm-hmm. That. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're yeah. going to town. Why? Because uh, we need to buy some stuff. Why? Because uh, we need it to survive. Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're expensive. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, to lean into the same thing, a similar idea, uh, but I would have it as, um, you know, when kids will repeat things that they've heard. um, So I've heard, I don't know. Uh, But I imagine that, but like key pieces of information are being leaked or they're saying things that are not clear at first. And it's like, why are they saying that? Where did they get that from? But then it starts to become more and more clear as you go through the campaign. Um, So yeah, I would maybe have them repeat things that they've heard. Yeah, that's true. They they pick up on so many things that you don't think that they do yeah. at that age, even for sure. Been, even if they've been watching the party, I would have them assign that they're that they are doing that would be that they would repeat something that they've heard when they were secretly mm-hmm. listening. But they probably that the party would be like, how do you know that? Why are they saying that thing? Yeah. Oh, they could reveal some real tricky secrets that your party is keeping from each other. Yeah. Yeah, ooh, um, yeah. and cause a lot of tension there with that um yeah i think i would have them like 
like kids that really like stories and bedtime stories like they will do anything if you tell them a really good story like tell me about your last adventure like this is where their love for stories and history really starts mm-hmm. yeah what about um exploration or clues that they might be around at this age i i'm going back to thinking like um you know that they do things just to see what happens Mm-hmm. So I imagine trying to trip up your party with like simple, simple pranks, right? Like somebody might trip across a wire that's strung between two trees on the path or something like that. I kind of imagine them like cats, right? You know, doing things just to watch what happens. Mm-hmm. They're going to just push that thing over with their mage hand to see if yeah. it breaks. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if I push this? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I like the idea of them being, they're young, right? So they're going to be sneaky, but probably not as sneaky as they want to be. So maybe even like they'll react out loud or something. If they see something unexpected, if the party does something, if the wizard like does a spell and they go <gasps> like that, even though mm-hmm. they're, and everyone's like, where the fuck did that come from? Or like yeah. they're, even through their telepathy, they might react or they're, they're, they're moving things, but they're never quite putting it back exactly where they found it. Just kind of clumsy things like that that, uh, that work as clues. Yeah, I would have, like, things going missing, or they're using their invisible mage hand, and, like, the party sees something floating across the room. Right. <laughs> as they're, like, <laughs> like, their backs are turned, and then they turn around, and, like, why is that vase floating across the room? <laughs> so I would have, like, just little things like that. Like, things that don't seem like they mean anything just going missing and you know your party will look for their like favorite trinket that doesn't really do anything but it's not there and why isn't it there yeah sort of thing and what about combat what what do we see these guys doing combat at all as a wormling no they're doing anything they can to avoid it yeah i just see like disorienting breath disappearing and then Right, like they're trying to get as far away from it as possible. Yeah, agreed. They're probably combat's going to be defensive. Um, I would maybe be you know, as tactics. I'd probably be holding actions on disorientating breath, using borrowing speeds, and changing direction a lot so that you can finish your turn out of sight, and then hold an action for if one of the party members uh, does go around the corner or, or, or whatever and sees you. So yeah, uh, borrowing speed, holding actions, disorientating breath. And ending mm-hmm. your turn out of sight. Yeah. I think if if they do attack, it's going to be like biting you and then getting out of there. Like just trying to to make you sort of off, you know, off your game a little like a quick bite and then out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but they're definitely not sticking. Like if if they become combative, it's because you accidentally discovered them and they just are surprised by it, I think. Um, like, oh no, I didn't know you you weren't supposed to see yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, and then and then leave. I think that's yeah. the most likely scenario there. All right. Um, let's move on then. I think that's about all we have for the wormling. Let's move on to young. Young, that's me. That's young dragon. Okay, I took a couple of uh, young dragon connections I thought were fun here. So a young emerald dragon has befriended a stone giant who is teaching the emerald dragon uh, giant folklore. I think it makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's also a way that you can uh, wind emerald dragons into a, to another campaign, right? It's the, um, you know, it might be a giant heavy campaign or whatever, but you can wind something different and interesting in, and it makes sense. <laughs> uh, the second one is an assassin and a young emerald dragon trained together to master the art of stealth. I think this is great. Um, 
you know, because you would you would expect that like assassins are trained by other assassins, and then you know it's another way to introduce something interesting uh, into a campaign where maybe you weren't expecting uh, gem dragons at all. And gem mm-hmm. dragons can be difficult to just randomly put into another type of campaign, but this is another way that it makes perfect sense. Okay, all right. Uh, let's take at the stat block then for the young emerald dragon. So they're a large size class now. Typically, they're lawful neutral. Their armor, their armor class is going to increase now. Uh, 17 average hit points are going to go up. We're averaging about 142 here. Their walking speed is 40 feet. Their burrowing speed is now 30 feet. And their flying speed is now 60 feet. Strength and con are their two highest stats. And that'll be followed by intelligence and charisma. And then we're getting a little bit lower with wisdom and dex, but both still higher than the average human. Saving throws, dexterity, constitution, wisdom, and charisma. Skills include Arcana Deception, Perception, and Stealth. Damage resistances, so Fire and Psychic. They get 30 feet blind sight now, 120 feet of dark vision, and a passive perception of 18. The dragon's passive perception is always important to note. I uh, I think um, I think often it's not noted well enough, and then sometimes it goes the other way where people will say, oh, dragons automatically see you uh, because they're dragons, uh, but it's not. There is a passive perception, it's 18 in this case. Common Draconic and Telepathy now for Languages. And that's a challenge rating of eight. So with their Tunneler ability, uh, Pepperina, I think you went through Tunneler, didn't you? So uh, I probably don't need to touch on that again. Yeah. Uh, Did it increase? Uh, oh, the, the thing that changed is that the uh, the diameter of the tunnel is now 10 feet because they're a large okay. size category. Uh, but which also operates as a clue, I suppose, for the size of uh, dragon that you're dealing with. Actions, they get a multi-attack now, so they get their bite and they get their two claw attacks. They're uh, pretty typical of, um, of dragons. Their disorientating breath is DC 15 intelligence saving throw now. We're looking at 96 psychic damage. Uh, and it now, uh, if you fail, the party member must now roll a D6 and reduce the total by the number rolled, as opposed to a D4 it was for the Wormling. The uh, spells, so their spell save DC now increases to 14. They still get Mage Hand, that's a will, a minor illusion. And then once per day, detect thoughts, invisibility, and silent image. That is a young Emerald Dragon. All right. If that's all you have, let's roll to answer some more questions. All right, that was a lot better. I got a 19. I got 20. I'm going I'm going opposite ends. I got a natural 20, which never happens. <laughs> never happens unless it's not important. I'll get like a natural 20 on like the most stupid check. <laughs> yes, you successfully read the book. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, unless you tied with one of us, I'm assuming you're going third then. You're muted. <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um what kind of quests do we have in mind for these guys at this age? Yeah, I'm just thinking about upping the stakes now. I'm thinking about when I was younger, the stupid decisions I was making. Unfortunately, mine were not as stupid as other people's, but they were still like, you know, when you're young, you just get yourself involved in things you shouldn't be getting involved in. If you have a natural curiosity or heightened curiosity like Emerald Dragons, you might be getting yourself involved with the wrong group. Um, they, You might be uh, a bit naive in who you trust um you know maybe it's like goodfellas style as as far back as you can remember you always wanted to be a gangster and you get yourself in trouble that way because you're mixing in with the wrong group so i think these stakes uh are going to increase and the consequences of their curiosity uh and so that might mean that an emerald dragon for a quest is now legitimately involved in something that they perhaps shouldn't be such as like a cult or some kind of a guild or something so it's a good way to introduce them mm-hmm. 
I I like to go with the um the creature connection sometimes with like quests like the assassin one that you had mentioned. I think that could make for a really fun quest that maybe this assassin has made itself known and you have to try and find him and through that you find this emerald dragon also that it's trading with um or you just hear about people going missing or coming up dead and you have to figure out why and it turns out it's this assassin and this emerald dragon just training Mm -hmm. (laughs) like just trying to to figure out what they could do um so i think that would be a fun one i like to play with the things they give you in the book i also like uh one of the examples they give in the book where um they're trying to reenact a battle some famous battle because it Mm -hmm. seems like something like a young kid teenager would be interested in to see what happens but also, Terry, I really like your idea uh, where you said, you know, they got mixed up with something bad, right? Like the teenage mm-hmm. rebellion kind of stage. And their parent is like, I need you to go get my kid before they do something really stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like with the reenactment one, it sort of reminds me of like LARPing. <laughs> like yeah. these guys are just <laughs> out there like LARPing in a field. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Sometimes when we say get in with the wrong crowd, like it goes completely <laughs> the other way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Define wrong crowd. <laughs> um, what about role playing? How would we would we change up role playing at this age? Yeah, they're still curious, but maybe a little bit more maybe that maybe instead of like a general curiosity, they're getting curious about a very particular thing. And so they're only interested in engaging in this thing. This is uh, something, certainly a characteristic of mine is I'll get obsessed with stuff for like a Mm -hmm. a short while and I'll surround myself with it. uh, And I'll just go like real deep into things. And then like four weeks later, I'm like, well, I'm glad to spend $500 on that. I'll never look at that again. And then I'll go (laughs) off and do something else. Maybe they'll have that same kind of thing. And and that might even manifest in that if they're going to be around the party a lot, a repeating NPC, that every time they meet this Emerald Dragon, this Emerald Dragon has like reinvented themselves. Okay, one time they're wearing like a mustard colored toque and they've got like an IPA beard. And then the next time they're just like super in a CrossFit. And then it's like they're trying to save the world and save the whales and stuff. And they ever <laughs> so it's not a phase, mom. It's not a phase. That's what they're really into. Mm-hmm, uh, that mm-hmm. Terry, I, I, you might have ADHD. That's a very ADHD hyperfixation thing. So <laughs> I, I, I honestly yeah. think I do. And yeah. it's never diagnosed. I honestly, uh-huh. as I speak to people, as I get older, I talk to people that have ADHD and they talk to me about the uh, what they experience with it. And and mm-hmm. and I have a lot of it. I can't read a menu in order. I bounce around all yeah. over the place. I can't sit down and look at a screen. This is agonizing for me to sit down and look yeah. at the screen for two hours and you gotta come back again. So we'll t- I, I, don't we'll talk like, I love talking to you guys, but I mean for, to stay full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk yeah. later. <laughs> I might be able to help diagnose. <laughs> um yeah i definitely like the idea of the like hyperfixation and them them bouncing around because that is a very like young thing to do um i have a 13 year old who you know he did guitar lessons and then he moved to um uh, the next thing and he's in track this week and now he's making music with a synthesizer on his thing and he's oh, playing this oh. game this week and that game this week <laughs> So I think that would definitely fit with these these guys and how much they like to learn about the thing that they would hyperfixate on it. I think that's a good way to go too. Yeah, I I imagine them being kind of reckless in their pursuit of knowledge. 
right? They are not going to be hiding as much. They are going to be making a presence, uh, their presence more known without realizing the danger that is associated with it. Yeah. Well, that brings us into the next question about what kind of clues you would leave that they're around and exploration ideas. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit tough. For, well, I found it harder for, for young dragon. The clues, I, we have the wider diameter with tunnels. Okay, that's not, you know, that's not a big mm-hmm. one. I think as they were getting more, as they're getting, their abilities are increasing, their clues are likely going to be kind of leftovers of that. Um, maybe if they're using minor illusion, they're testing that out. Things appear different to party members than what they did before because they're just practicing with a minor illusion to see what the effect is. Uh, on the party out of curiosity um maybe uh they're practicing their detect thoughts and so it's tripping the players out because things are happening that they were thinking about previously you know like they want to go like they have their agenda ahead of them but it's mm-hmm. the dragon is one step ahead of them but on insignificant things at this point uh like they they were trying to find something and so then they go around the corner it's just right there in front of them they're like what the hell i've been looking for that all day and i swear i've looked here things like that uh the clues would be the abilities are starting to be demonstrated but secretly by the dragon yeah i think at this age is probably when you would most likely find them with them not meaning too because they don't yet have the regional effects with the like stones moving and that kind of stuff they don't yet have their shape-shifting um to turn into any other creature so they are stuck at this large dragon size so they are a bit harder to find or to hide at that size um the only thing they really have is invisibility where they could hide very well but they're missing some of the things um that would keep them more well hidden so i think this is when you're most likely gonna stumble across them yeah and because they only get invisibility once a day too right it's, yeah they're gonna be so, saving it for oh shit i've already been discovered mm-hmm. and if That's that spell ends or you know if you do have somebody who can see through it that that's really all they have right now yeah okay yeah i yeah i I, honestly i agree with both of you guys i think you covered it pretty well it's it's when you're most likely to catch them or when they might approach you with you knowing full well what they are right like they'll approach you in dragon form and be like hey i need this kind of thing Mm-hmm. All right. What about combat? How would we have combat with these guys if we would? Yeah, combat for me, it's uh, it's it's one you have to ensure you play out properly from the DM and the player's side. But I would be using detect thoughts a lot. Detect thoughts allows you to gather the surface thoughts before you even go as deep as doing a. I think it's a wisdom save for it. And so that means as an action, you can determine what the intentions of a particular party member is. So at this age, I think they'll be able to figure out who's the wizard or who's the casters. And they will be able to figure out, is the intention by the party to hurt them? Is it to talk to them? Is it to steal something from them? And so they can always be at least a half step ahead um, based on the detect thought spell. You have to use it properly and responsibly. you got to play fair with it. Uh, but it means if you do that as an action, you then know where you should probably move. You then know if you should burrow, if you should be out of sight or not. So, yeah, I think uh, detect thoughts will help you here. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, I, they're, let's see, their burrow speed goes up to 30 at this point. Um, their flying is 60. Their walking is 40. So they're going to be hard to catch at any point um, if you come across them. And again, I don't think they're going to be combative off the bat. Uh, they will, like 
like I said previously, if you steal something of theirs that they find very valuable and, you know, especially at a young age, they, I think, would put more value into a specific thing than, you know, like a kid with their favorite stuffed animal. Mm -hmm. Um, That is their thing. So if you touch that thing, I think then they would really become combative. But beyond that, I think they would more so try to get away. Yeah, I I think that's a pretty common theme for them regardless of age like they're Mm -hmm. they're gonna try to avoid an outright fight i mean these ones might like building on what i said earlier like i think it's their more reckless age of anything so this one might become a fight but yeah in the end i think they're gonna try to run away more than anything else Uh, but i have a question for you guys how would Mm -hmm. you use detect thoughts against a player right because it's one thing for the dm who has an NPC to tell you what they're thinking mm-hmm. and then ask a player, okay, what's on your immediate mind, right? So it requires, it requires fair play. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, I think you have to establish that from the start, but it, so everything in the round is happening within six seconds. So if you deco- detect thoughts at first, I think it's just the surface thoughts and the surface intentions, but I think you can probe deeper with the wisdom safe, I think. So, yeah. uh, so they have to give away their surface thoughts immediately. So is it, is your intention in the next six seconds to try and hurt this dragon? Is it, is your focus on trying to get the MacGuffin out of the dungeon? And so you will be moving towards that. Are you going to try and hide? Um, and so it doesn't need to be in too much detail. It doesn't need to be that, oh, I'm going to cast disintegrate, but it, the, it should at least be, yes, I am going to try and hurt the dragon. Okay. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I think that's good. All right. Um, let's move on to adults then. Adults, that's me as well. Okay, a couple of adult dragon connections for you. The first one is an adult silver dragon tries to befriend and draw out a reclusive adult emerald dragon. I like this one because this is sounds like a quest if you're going to be helping the silver dragon where it's not necessarily an enemy it's just a very challenging thing to do is to try and how are you going to get this dragon out you can try and persuade him you can try and drag him out kicking and screaming are you going to try and hurt him enough that he listens to you like it's a new challenge uh so for a dragon yeah. so I, I like that one i'm a really big extrovert and i tend to find friends that are really big introverts so it very much connects with me in that way like I me trying to get my friend to come out with me. Right. <laughs> like like I'm now imploring their husband to be like, can you please talk them into coming out with me tonight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been described as an extroverted introvert, which I think is nice. Yeah. It's a lot of energy. I can do it. I've got to put my game face on, but at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. Don't talk to me. And it's only <laughs> it's only attention that I can control. So mm-hmm. it's only when I know what I'm going to talk about like this. But if you go, oh, my God, Terry, it looks like you pissed yourself. Like, that's it. I'm mortified. Kill me. <laughs> well, you should be. <laughs> I don't think that's an introvert thing. No, like, I think that's just an everybody thing. <laughs> or somebody goes, oh, what are you wearing? And then, like, 15 people look at you. I'm like, dead. Um, second one, an adult emerald dragon is fascinated by the intrigues of a Rakshasa disguised as a human, uh, a human merchant prince. Uh, I like this because it's another way of introducing an emerald dragon in a situation that the players wouldn't expect because their focus might be on the Rakshasa as it probably should be. Uh, but somebody, there is another party that is the, not a D&D party, another party is in the, the dragon as a party in, interested in the same thing. Uh, I like that. Then you've got a bit of a triangle going on. Okay. Let's do stats. 
Okay, they're adult dragons, so that means they're a huge size category now, still typically lawful neutral. Armor class is going to increase. We're looking at 80. 18d12 plus 90 for hit points. That averages out at 207. Walking speed, 40 feet. The burrowing speed is still 30 feet. Okay, fine. But the flying speed is now 80 feet. We're still seeing strength and con as the two highest stats. That's followed by intelligence and charisma and uh, wisdom and dexterity are the two lower ones. Saving throws are all the same. They've just increased. Skills are all the same. They've just increased. Damage resistance is same. Fire and psychic. Blind sight now goes up to 60 feet. Blind sight is what DMs forget all the time. Your dragon can innately sense things around it. Creatures for 60 feet. It's important to remember. Dark vision is still 120 feet. Passive perception is now 23. Languages, common draconic telepathy still 120 feet. Uh, the challenge rating goes up to 14. We now get legendary resistances, three per day. To remind the audience, that means if the dragon fails a saving throw, it can choose to succeed instead. That's three times per day. Shift perception once per day. This means the dragon can cast hallucinatory terrain uh, without any spell components, and it uh, uh, uses intelligence to cast it. It's a spell save DC of 17. Tunneler, what changes is it's now a 15-foot diameter tunnel in its wake. We're still looking at one bite attack and two claw attacks. The breath weapon damage now goes up to 12d6 psychic damage. That averages out of 42. It's an intelligence saving throw. It's now a DC 18, and it's now a 60-foot uh, cone as well. The psionic spell casting. So we still have Mage Hand, of course, and Minor Illusion, and then once per day for Detect Thoughts, the Spell Magic, Invisibility, and Major Image. As a bonus action, the Emerald Dragon now gets changed shape as a bonus action. I thought that was interesting as a bonus action. So the, dra the, mag the dragon magically transforms into any creature its size sorry that is medium or small while retaining its in-game uh, statistics psychic step the dragon magically teleports to an unoccupied space you can see within 60 feet of it i feel like a lot changes i feel like it gets a lot more powerful and then for legendary actions you can make a claw attack sure uh or you can use uh two of your led two of your three legendary actions to use uh your psychic step or any of your spell casting and for three actions you get Emerald Embers, which is the dragon creates a dancing moat of green flame around a creature it can see within 60 feet of it. And that target must succeed on a DC 17 dexterity saving throw or take 9d6 fire damage. I like that as a legendary action. Okay, that's it for adults. That's it. All right, let's roll for these questions. Now I got a one. <laughs> From a 20 Back to on a the one. bottom. <laughs> I think it was 221. So maybe <laughs> your next one might be back up. Um, I got a 10. I got a six. All right. First with a 10. Okay. Um, for quests with these guys, I think for me at this age, I would be leaning into that fire giant problem that they seem to have. Um, this is where I think they would come up to you and I would have them use their chain shape and you don't actually know that they are an emerald dragon when they're coming up to you. Um, just a townsperson saying, hey, we have a fire giant problem. You guys look like you could handle it with me. Um, and then going that route. Um, I building on the Rakshasa connection one. Um, I like the idea of the party gets sent in to deal with the Rakshasa. Uh, but as they're going in, this Emerald Dragon appears to them and goes, uh, listen, I need you to back off because I'm watching this guy and I can't have you interrupting my study. <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, so now the party has to decide what is more important: dealing with the Rakshasa 
and potentially having to fight an emerald dragon as well and, or make it their enemy or make the original quest giver their enemy yeah oh, man i love that yeah it's giving me inspiration yeah i like that i might probably i'm probably gonna steal that idea i think um <laughs> I like the idea of, as an adult, um, they're so confident in their abilities uh, and their ability to kind of blend in with their changed shape and, and, and all of that stuff. Uh, but their curiosity maybe is much more heightened to the to the point that they're actually getting involved in the humanoid society now, maybe even in uh, in politics or some positions of lower power, because that's where they get information from. But naturally, because they're reclusive, they're probably quite uh, negligent of their responsibilities. So maybe you're just like they're in a power position, but they're not actually doing anything to help people. They just want all of the knowledge. And so that can kind of manifest mm. itself as like a neglected town where the people are really unhappy with what they think is a humanoid who's in charge. In actuality, it's an emerald dragon who just wants all of the information, but isn't really interested in using it uh, for the good of the town because they're neutral. So that's not their priority. Interesting. Oh, you know, it'd make um, it'd be a really good spy master. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about role playing at this age as adults. Um, for me, I think, like I said, I, if you see them, they're going to be in just like a town's person like they try to blend in with the town that they're in so they're going to be very nondescript um but maybe like working at a library you know something like that like your party goes into a library to look up some information and that's where this dragon is and you get talking with it like oh why are you looking up that and tell me about your stories and what have you seen and that's the kind of thing you're gonna to find with this one they're not gonna come out and say i'm a dragon but they are gonna want to know what you know so i think like a library type situation is a fun place that you would find them unknowing yeah i love that i think that's great um yeah honestly i think you covered it pretty well there yeah they're they're not gonna present to you a dragon form they're gonna come off as mm, non-threatening and but curious as well yeah i think um curious but not focused on what they should be focused on which would maybe come across as a clue that they're an emerald dragon like especially if they're presenting themselves as a humanoid you have to go it's a D&D game, so you have this situation you have to deal with and you spend all of this time trying to explain what's going on and this is how we think you can help or whatever, whatever. And they're just not focused on what you're telling them or what, they, or what you think is interesting. They're just more like, let me stop you there. Why are your shoes blue, but everything else is red? And but you just spent 15 <laughs> minutes explaining something like that, you know, or... Uh -huh. Even if you don't know that, but if you don't know that they're an emerald dragon, to go back to like my person who's maybe in like a political position or something, it's for the party, it'll be incredibly frustrating because it's like this person is constantly not focused on what we need them to be focused on, you know, and it's just a sign that they're an emerald dragon. So I think, yeah, role playing is probably curious, but curious about the wrong things and when they're in an important position. Yeah. Mm. Um, from that going into like clues and exploration, I kind of like the idea of because they like to collect things from like historical events and people that are in power or make history like if they are in that position of power or if they're like allowed in that group of people there's there's taking like the cup from the king you know when he's not looking they're like it's not a fancy cup necessarily but he drank out of that cup at dinner and so it's important yeah. so when nobody's looking i'm gonna mage hand that into my bag <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like random things like that are gonna come up like 
I swear there was a candlestick here. Why can't I see anything? And it's because they took it because it was the candlestick at this very important meeting that happened. Yeah. I like that. That also makes a good quest. Like, um, you know, uh, King invites you in. It's like stuff has been going missing and uh-huh. there's a thief somewhere in our castle and we can't figure out who it is. I mm-hmm. need you to look at, like, figure it out. Or they think it's some like weird little folklore, like fairies come in and steal your things at night. <laughs> it's the really underpants just gnomes. This, yeah, like it's really just this dragon. Uh, yeah, clues and exploration for this one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I don't think I have anything that really stands out to me. Yeah, I think you covered it already. Yeah, agreed. Over the last two, it's um, it's going to be difficult. It depends unless they're integrating themselves into society somehow. Um, and then there's little clues based on how they're acting. But yeah. Yeah. The clues are going to be more subtle the older they get, right? And it's going to be harder mm-hmm. to detect it. It's going to be like little things that you can almost never trace back to them, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Though at this age, we do have the regional effects. So that would also be another way to go with. Clues. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. True. Good point. So this would could be where you could have fun playing around with like rocks shifting and like why am I always falling into like the river? And well, like your party just becomes very clumsy because the rocks move from underneath them. Oh, and you're yeah. always making <laughs> dexterity saves. Oh, wherever they're housing themselves. So if they're integrating into a humanoid society and they have a house or a home in the town, mm-hmm. those same regional effects will be happening in there. And that could be like furniture moving slightly or something. And like you're just mm-hmm. always noting that like a party member is like stubbing their toe on this yeah. you stub your toe on yeah. that same table <laughs> I just moved the table out of the way yeah. it happened again so I went around the table specifically like I uh, yeah you, oh, you know it. like on the modern family like on modern family like fill in the one step that he always like trips on the step every time that step again all right so combat at this age um I think for me it would be more combat with not like against an adult um, emerald dragon, but with them. You are going on a mission like against the fire dragons with, or the fire giants with these dragons. You are helping them out. So I think it would be more fighting side by side with them would be fun versus fighting against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I honestly, I think fighting against them sounds incredibly frustrating. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah, I I would agree with it. Chances are you're gonna go with it. It's gonna recruit you because it needs your help with something. Because they they don't really have any scenarios where they would be going against a party. I don't think right. Like mm-hmm. they are unobtrusive, so it would be more recruiting you for help than fighting against. I like I like really interesting combat encounters, and I think one that sticks out for me here is where it would be in both the party and the and the party's enemy's best interest to dispose of this emerald dragon to go off what kyle was talking about earlier where i think he was saying that he didn't want the party to hurt arakshasa uh because the because the emerald dragon is interested in that in that encounter where the party is supposed to fight that rakshasa the emerald dragon should be using his uh disorient breath against both sides against the rakshasa and the party because he doesn't want them to kill each other to the point where it becomes in the both sides best interest if they temporarily team up over the next 30 seconds of in-game time here over the next five rounds hey can we both stop fighting kill this guy and then we can go back to our fight right after 
I love those weird <laughs> interesting encounters like that. And mm. I would do that with an Emerald Dragon, where you've got to team up with your enemy temporarily to get rid of him so you can go back to trying to kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> Screw off. I'm just trying to murder this person. <laughs> yeah. I did it to my, I did a, a weird thing like that to my uh, table just a few weeks ago. I had a, I had a, a Dracolich and a big red. They, they got trapped in the, in the lair the party between them and both of them said fight for me and kill the other guy and so they were like in the combat trying to decide like who are we teaming up with on this round and like how do we get away and stuff i love just that everybody hits everybody everybody just hits her. yeah and they were stressed because it's like which one do we hit because they're coming after us we sort of had something like that with um when we ran through water deep the first time we have this teenage girl that plays with us and she's like our best player and she joined every faction in water deep that you're supposed to like pick a faction and be on that side <laughs> like like there's all these factions going against Against each other she played it off and picked she was on each one of them and then they would be in instances where they're in the same room fighting each other and she would like i'm gonna pretend i'm hitting somebody and just purposely miss and fall over <laughs> <laughs> i love that so no one knows what side i'm on <laughs> i love it all right um and that leaves us with ancient all right uh so for Ancient Dragon Connections, it gives you four options. Um, I kind of like the first one where it says an ancient emerald dragon bargains with a pit fiend to buy back the soul of a legendary hero, which sounds really fun to me. But I also am kind of annoyed with all of the connected uh, suggestions because it talks in the lore about um, how they team up with sapphire dragons uh, to fight aberrations from the far realm, but it doesn't offer any of those suggestions in it. Right? Like, why are there fiends when it says it more is likely to fight aberrations? Yeah. I've, you know, I found a lot lacking in the ancient dragon um, creature connections and a lot of them. It feels like an aftersight on a lot of the different dragons we've done. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, crap, we used up all our good ideas. Let's yeah, try yeah, to, yeah. Like, yeah. like uh, whatever. Leading, leading up to that super fun idea. So then the four ancient ones are like, <laughs> yeah. I guess it could be this, whatever. <laughs> Uh, so for the stat blocks, uh, the changes are they go from huge to gargantuan, um, still generally lawful neutral like the other ones. Now they have a CR of 21 or 22 when they are in their lair, and they are not easy to kill. They got a AC of 20. Uh, their hit points are over 300 at this point. And add to that the layer actions of perpetually keeping themselves uh, invisible and able to teleport. It's they're going to be tough to even hit, much less kill. Um, so for speeds, it's the same as the adults. Um, uh, for the stats, dex is still very low. And I think it's weird that their strength is higher than their intelligence. Like, because all they do is collect knowledge all the time. Why aren't they smarter than anything else? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and dex uh, hasn't moved across the board. It stayed the same. Yeah, weird. I, like, I can see it getting lower as they get bigger, right? But yeah. Anyways, um, for saving throws, uh, just a little bit higher than uh, the adults. Um, once again, they don't have an intelligent saving throw, which is weird to me. I think they should. And I think they should also have advantage on against being charmed because of you know they are psionics right they can read people's minds they and they've had all this experience with it they, they should be more resistant to it but uh for skills um 
sorry, brain fart there. Uh, for skills, um, they have perception as their highest, um, which makes sense considering they're watchers and they like to avoid um, any sort of conflict. So they like to see threats coming. Um, but I think stealth should be higher, right? Because they are also hiders. But yeah. And also, why do they not have history as a skill? Oh, I was going to ask that. I was going to wait for you to be done. Ask why don't they have history? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's very true. Um, the resistances and immunities, same as the adults. Um, for their spell casting, their DC goes up to 20 uh, for their spell save. And the invisibility spell is replaced by ethereal-ness. And they also gain mislead. Um, for their multi-attack, same as the adults. Same with the special moves, except the damage goes up. Um, legendary actions is the same as the adult again. That's pretty much it. All right. Let's roll for our last round of questions then. Four. Twelve. Also twelve. Oh, roll off. Oh, nat twenty this time. Oh, 19. Oh. <laughs> That's the second time I've went second with a 19. <laughs> All right. What kind of quests are you uh doing with this ancient? Okay, so the one I was thinking of, I really like the idea of, um, you mentioned it as a librarian earlier, right? So mm -hmm. I like the party finding a library, like if they're in the city or maybe if they're outside of a city, they run into a temple of some kind of knowledge god, like uh, Denetir. Um, and it's like defaced, broken windows, doors been smashed, you know, and there's like a crying priest outside who like begs the party, like, can you go find out who these thieves are and return all my books right like i'm missing all this stuff and it's 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 a huge impact to me right and so party goes off rescues the books and then as soon as they return the books uh the proprietor just disappears and then they just see ruins of like a long abandoned building right because the dragon had used um what is that spell where they basically change um the Blues background terrain yeah, hallucinatory drain to make it look like it was just defaced, but it was actually someone stole all their stuff. And then, yeah, that guy disappears, and then there's just like um, like maybe a scale and a magic item sitting in front of the party. Yeah. I like the idea of them sending you to go pick up a, an artifact from somewhere. Like, they read about this historical place in one of their books but like they don't want to go because then they'd have to be out in the world um but if you go do it i'll give you this like magic item i found over here because it's not didn't do anything special yet so um but they're gonna send you off to get like the most the weirdest thing you know they're like bring me back the like pot that they cooked their dinner in before the battle that happened yeah. at this place um it's just gonna be something obscure like that so i would i would have fun with that um and it's but like it doesn't need to be even though they're ancient i don't think it has to be that high stakes of a thing you could have a lower level party interact with an ancient dragon um and it be more low stakes at this with this type of thing. I don't think it has to be a level 20 party adventure just because it's ancient. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it needs to be a level 20 uh, adventure just because it's ancient. And I think this is a perfect type of dragon to, to introduce where you don't need to be higher level uh, to interact with it. Uh, but I would like a good old uh, MacGuffin quest, but I think because it's an ancient dragon, the MacGuffin should be, uh, you know, so much more challenging. 
I think for an ancient emerald dragon, the MacGuffin should be bring me candle keep should be what's mm-hmm. going on. Hey, this big story arc is happening. I don't know if Tiamat's coming back or something like that. I need to preserve this. I need you to bring me candle keep and all of its knowledge. How do we do that, ancient emerald dragon? I don't know. You've got a uh, you've got 20 levels to figure it out. Bring me Candlekeep and get it to me in its entirety. So mm-hmm. something like that. Good old MacGuffin quest, but it's ridiculous. Uh yeah. it's gonna be tough. Yeah. I like that I they like... if they like played it off of it's just this small little thing you gotta go do. And it turns out to be this huge thing of like, how oh, are we yeah. gonna get this ship back to him? <laughs> like... Yeah, because it's called like the something something stone. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's a, ma- it it's a mountain. It's yeah, not a stone. Exactly it's a whole mountain. Exactly that. Exactly. Yeah. And that speaks to them uh, exactly right. Right. It's never what you think it's going to be when you mm-hmm. get there. But MacGuffins are always like you can always hold it in one hand. It's always like a gem or a sword or something like that. But it should yeah. be something stone, or something rock, and it's a mountain. Mm-hmm. I like it. All right. Um. So role playing. How would we role play them at this stage? Mm-hmm. I think of them a lot like an absent-minded professor, you know, just always losing their train of thought as they start thinking about something else. Um, And also a little bit like a house cat. Like, I'm pretty sure that the writers of the Emerald Dragon were like, how do I turn this cat into a dragon? Because they copied like all the mannerisms for it. So I just Mm -hmm. find it. I don't know. That's I think that's what my inspiration would be. They're even sort of like long and lanky, you know, like cats can be. They're like, yeah, I could see them moving around that way. Yeah. Um, Especially when they mentioned the purring, right? Like that's yeah. what really set me off. <laughs> Very true. Um, yeah, I do like that sort of absent-minded professor. Like they are not listening to you and what you're saying or asking of them unless it's something interesting to them. Like if you say a key word that's something they've been researching, they're like, hold on, tell me about that. You know, Um, because at this point, they've researched so many things and they've looked at so many things and examine so many things, they have their very specific thing that they're into. And like, this is the thing that I need to know the most about. And I have to be an expert on this specific thing. Um, so I would play into that much like me and dragons. <laughs> like I got one thing. I got one thing I know about and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> These things that are not real, but if you need to know about yes. it. <laughs> you Oh, but we had somebody new over yesterday and they asked a question about dragons and it's just like the rest of my party is just looks like, all right, let's give her, <laughs> let's give her, her time. <laughs> it is a fun thing to know about. It is fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, it would be um, when you get those like hyper intelligent people and their mind is working fast and their mouths are working and they're, they're, they're skipping forwards in the conversation before the rest of us regular people are there. And so this idea of the party maybe explaining something, reporting something back, and they're halfway through it, and the Emerald Dragon is going so fast, you can do this from a meta standpoint as the DM, because you know further down the line of the story arc, and then you can say, the the dragon can cut them off and say something like, well, it's got to be green. And then everything, what? What's got to be green? We're talking about <laughs> we're talking about a war. Like I don't understand. Uh-huh. It's got to be green, and then he like flies <laughs> off, right? And then, <laughs> so the next stage, of the campaign is the party are going. We have to figure out what's got to be green. <laughs> <laughs> They're just <laughs> looking at right. every green item. <laughs> but it's it's obvious to him because he was three, four, five moves ahead, and, mm-hmm. the, and in five in five moves, it's whatever it is has got to be green or whatever the example is. So yeah, so it should be it should be challenging because they're ahead. Now what that does. 
for the from the campaign point for the story is it keeps it moving forwards because it's the next thing we have to figure out the next place you've got to go to but the challenge is you know you don't have the two or three steps before that so it will make sense when you get there okay now we figured it out he was talking about i don't know probably an emerald or whatever but uh yeah their mind should be ahead of everybody else's mm, i like that yeah um what about exploration and clues at ancient level i mean i think i think uh an emerald dragon is an excellent resource for characters right um and if I was going to do it, I think I might play it as, you know, pretending to be a mystic, right? Where it reads the player's futures and gives them really, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not unhelpful answers, but very vague answers, right? Like, you know, uh, fortune is coming in your future kind of thing, yes. right? Well, and that yeah, was one you... of the quotes that that Fizbud said, is they speak in riddles and don't give you very direct answers. So. Yeah. For sure. Um, I mean, you're not going to know they're there at this point unless they want you to know that they're there. At Ancient, they have definitely mastered their um, hiding from things and blending in. I do like at this stage, it would be fun to do the thing with the ethereal spell where your party, somebody happens to pop over to the ethereal plane and shit, there's an ancient dragon looking at them. what do you do (laughs) um i think that would be a really fun way to to reveal that this this dragon's been watching you for a while yeah i like that yeah i think this may go in more into role playing we'll try and figure out how to do exploration of clues Uh, although they're very intelligent their intelligence is 20 at this point um, you know, there's a difference between like IQ and acquired knowledge. And I think these guys will have a, a very high amount of acquired knowledge that they've read books and they've learned things or whatever. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they are academically more intelligent than your wizard. And I might lean into this a little bit in that when it comes to like problem solving, maybe they didn't quite figure out the puzzle. Right. And so um, they they still. So your adventuring party is going through the dungeon or whatever. You get to the gate and you can see the scrawlings of somebody's trying to figure out how to open the door or whatever. But like the the the, the equation is wrong or something. And, and that is like your wizard does his intelligence check or whatever. And he figures it out. And, and then that moves the Emerald Dragon to their next stage because they're invisible. So they'll move with you. So these little clues there along the way that they maybe have acquired knowledge, but they're not necessarily more intelligent than your highest intelligent party member. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I just think there's ways that you can do that with like, because uh, I don't like, with dungeons and stuff like that, it's funny how it's, apparently nobody's ever been there before. None of the traps have been uh, set off and it's a nice, it's a finely swept stone floor every time. Uh, and there's never signs that other people have been there. So I, I want signs that the Emerald Dragon has tried to get through. And although they're very intelligent, your wizard might still be more intelligent than them. Yeah. I think that's great, too, if, you know, uh, your party is having particular problems with your puzzles. Yeah. Right. It's a good way to give them clues and help them along. Uh, And it sounds really fun. Like the idea of an Emerald Dragon giving this quest to a party because he's like, oh, shit, I got stuck. I need some help. But I don't (laughs) want them to know I need help. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So they're just going to pretend they're too busy to like work on this thing. So I need you to work on this because I've got way more important things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but really, they just can't figure it out. <laughs> I like that. Um, okay. What about combat with these guys? Uh, I mean, I, they're going to be avoiding it like the other ones. 
I know they, they don't really seem all that interested in killing other than, you know, uh, fire giants. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they are going to fight you, I see them laughing at you doing it, right? Like they're going to be trying to lead you off cliffs um, using hallucinogenic backgrounds and like commanding you to uh, do weird things. But I think that's it. I like, I think they would get into combat for the laughs and then just leave halfway through. Yeah. I think um, if you do get into combat, it's likely going to be another layer because they're not really leaving a whole lot. Um, And when they are leaving, they're hiding and not, you know, you're not going to know they're even there. Um, But in their layer, I think you're almost more combating with the layer itself than with them because they are going to hide. They're going to throw up illusions and they have designed their lair with these traps and these uh, bait and switch sort of areas and tunnels that are going to just drop you into a pit of lava. So I think you would be more so at combat with the lair that you are in and the dragon is just going to throw the obstacles in the way for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, I think they're going to be leading the dance and staying invisible, using their legendary actions for something like Emerald Ambers if they need to cause damage. You'll never really realize that you're fighting them until you get to the thing that they don't want to damage or they don't want you to take, and then the tide will turn a little bit. If you can get to the MacGuffin, get hold of it, and then get moving, then they have to be a little bit more reckless, I think. Uh, and then maybe like reveal themselves. They're going to have to grapple you. They're going to have to try and get hold of it or something like that. But up until that point... You're right. It's going to be more like you're trying to fight the lair itself. It'll never be totally obvious that the, the the dragons around. You may like this can be a combat where you're not even rolling initiative. You know, it's mm-hmm. just that you have an invisible dragon who's his legendary action is if you try and pick this lock, he will set off emerald embers or something like that, right? And so it can be very confusing for the party because they might roll a twenty seven. On the on the sleight of hand check to pick the lock, but it's not that it was trapped. It's that this invisible dragon is going to set off his action uh, if you succeed. Um, so the combat is going to kind of come out in a different way, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I like that because you know at, at that point your rogue is I'm looking for traps. You know, yeah. just a blanket at every. They know at every turn I'm looking for traps, and so they're going to say that. Um, but it wasn't trapped. You just yeah. <laughs> pissed it, it off. It also. <laughs> It gives you an opportunity to use um, the the skills in a different way. So it might be like, um, okay, I want to uh, pick this lock or whatever. So you get them to roll their sleight of hand and they roll really high. And then it might be an insight check after that for them to Mm -hmm. figure out, oh, the effect didn't come from this. It's it's come from something else, somewhere else, or a perception check or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it gets you can then use the skills in a different way. I think. Yeah, okay. I like that. You, you know what it makes me think of? Uh, the Wizard of Oz, right? Where it's right. just a man behind a curtain with a bunch of switches. Yeah, right. Like that's what I imagine. He's like standing at the center of the lair and watching the party go through, and just like ah, ha, 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 and like pulling switches to like turn on traps and stuff. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he can basically like see everywhere with the the lava. Right. That's right. Yeah, with their their fire, um, being able to see through fire and lava. Yeah, he doesn't even need direct line of sight to the party to be able to know where they are and do all these things to mess them up. Mm-hmm. In all complex right. traps. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, do we have any final thoughts for Emerald Dragons? Anything you'd like to add? Yeah, DMs, if you want to challenge yourself, try and have a combat encounter with the players without actually having a direct combat encounter. Or without 
challenge yourself not to try and directly cause damage to them. Like yeah. that. Yeah, I think um these guys are great for if your party needs a bit of information, these guys know it. Um and maybe having somebody in the town, you know, if they're asking around like, well, I don't know the answer to that. Um there's legend that this guy knows it, but he's kind of hard to get to. But if you really want that information, I'd go look that way and um, just play around with the regional effects and the shifting stones and and that kind of stuff, I think, is going to be your best friend with these yeah. guys. I uh, I don't know how, but I definitely want to make this into a reoccurring character in a campaign. I just think it, it's a lot of fun, right? I, mm-hmm. Like the personality is intriguing and can go a lot of different directions and it's very utilitarian right for storytelling purposes yeah absolutely i think they want to be a part of history they want to know history as it's happening so maybe they heard a story from a bard about your party and so they want to know more about your party so they start following you like they your party gets famous enough that they start taking interest in you um would be a fun way to have them reoccurring yeah i like that all right so before we wrap up this episode let's cut to our last ad break if you've been inspired by the conversation in this episode please feel free to reach out and share your creativity and ideas with us and the rest of the community you can reach us on facebook and instagram or on our subreddit r slash it's a mimic Also, if you're feeling particularly generous, please follow and subscribe and leave us positive reviews, likes, and comments. Engagements like that help us pop up on search engines and keep this show running. So that's all for our discussion on Emerald Dragons. Make sure that you subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week, we'll be delving into one of the classic ways that adventurers used to spend their gold, you know, back when gold mattered in previous editions. Thank you for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, a store with some It's a Mimic merch, and a Patreon. This episode and others can also be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and most other podcast apps. Thank you again for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Please check the show notes for this episode to see links, time codes, and credits, and don't forget to reach out and share your own inspirations. Okay, guys, I'm I'm going to get out of here. Yes, it was uh, great working with you, Kyle. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is the first time we got to do an episode together, yeah, actually, yeah. so it was very nice. <laughs> Things Jerry's on a watch say. list now. <laughs> like he wasn't already. See you next Tuesday. <laughs>